Something that I never thought I would actually hear. We've talked a lot about it on this program. But uh, Janet Yeltsin, who is uh, Secretary of the Treasury, actually admitted that the uh, dollar's position as the international reserve currency is not only subsiding, but that it will continue to, uh, to degrade and that there will be negative consequences, severe negative consequences associated with it. Um, she is very candid and said, listen, it's not easy for countries to uh, get around the dollar, but they, they will all continue to uh, diversify. The value of the dollar will decline. Uh, there will be economic issues associated with that. Uh, and that uh, in the last year, 2022, uh, the dollar, dollar lost uh, 8% of uh, its holdings worldwide as a reserve currency. Um, so, mm. you know, you, you can't lose uh, 8% a year very long before you're no longer the, the reserve currency. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. the purpose of BRIC to get around it. Um, when we put sanctions on Russia, when we started uh, all sorts of, of challenges against China, we, we have pushed the world uh, away from using the, uh, the dollar as a, uh, as a reserve currency. I will tell you that, um, if a deal is done with Saudi Arabia, um, which is being done under the guise of normalizing relationships with Israel, and Israel uh, would be uh, the ultimate fool to, uh, to accept normalization with Saudi Arabia. Uh, not because uh, uh, MBS uh, has uh, ulterior motives as it relates to Israel, but the, the issue is the United States is, is being... Um, blackmailed essentially by Saudi Arabia. Uh, Saudi Arabia has now a larger customer in China than uh, the United States. Um, it has access to weapons from both Russia and China and from France. Uh, it is beginning to do business and currencies other than dollars. And it is uh, 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 very likely to join uh, BREC. 
So uh, when Biden started to really upset uh, MBS in terms of his attitude, um, MBS basically said, you, uh, you cannot push us around anymore. We are not your vassal. So just go away. And that's when they normalized relationships with um, Iran uh, through China. But now what they're uh, essentially doing with uh, MBS's plan is, is he wants several things. He wants a NATO-type agreement with the United States that the United States will go to war on behalf of Saudi Arabia, no matter who attacks Saudi Arabia. Now, this is the nation most responsible for 9-11. And MBS has put America in a position where rather than it holding Saudi Arabia accountable for doing that, it is going to do just the opposite. He has the United States agreeing to defend Saudi Arabia using U.S. military forces if it is attacked. Second, while MBS has and Saudi Arabia has access to nuclear bombs. They don't have as much access as they would like uh, to the enrichment of uranium to make as many bombs as they would like. Uh, They financed the Pakistani program, and as the quid pro quo for doing that, they were given a nuclear arsenal. Uh, But they want, and they have the money for a much larger one. And the way that you go about that is to refine uranium, and the best way to do that is to have um, nuclear reactors. And so as part of this deal, they're requiring the United States to build nuclear reactors in Saudi Arabia. Now, Saudi Arabia does not need uh, nukes to boil water. A nuclear reactor, all it does is use uses uh, uranium, rich to a fairly low uh, degree, uh, to heat up and boil water. When it, you float on natural gas and, and oil, you do not want to spend the kind of money to build a nuclear plant to boil water uh, when you, you, you're actually burning up some of the gas just because the byproduct has no use to you. Uh, so the only reason to have it is the daughter products of a nuclear plant can be further refined to, to make nuclear bombs. So that's another negative issue. And then Saudi Arabia wants another $100 billion worth of advanced U.S. weapons. And then there is, to to give cover for this, rather than appear like, well, we just got blackmailed, which is what's really happening, uh, it's being marketed as normalization with Israel. Since it's not really normalization with Israel, Israel is not a party to the discussions, and the Biden administration has told Israel, you will not criticize anything we're doing. You may not comment on it. We're not going to even tell you any of the conditions of the covenant, of this agreement. So Israel's not even a party to it, even though it's being positioned as the normalization with Israel. That is a complete lie, and unfortunately, the press is buying it, is eating it mm-hmm. up. Now, just to tell you that terms with Saudi Arabia would be untenable for Israel, last week Saudi Arabia um, announced that they were sending a full-fledged ambassador to the Fakistinians and that they wanted to put the Fakistinian ambassador uh, in an embassy in Jerusalem, which they view as part of the Fakistinian territory. 
it's a total non-starter. Israel cannot, not not tomorrow, not any time in their future, cannot acquiesce to a two-state agreement. They tried that with the Oslo Accords, and it proved to be disastrous because the Muslims continued to hate and terrorize Jews. It's an absolute unmitigated disaster what happened with Oslo. And that was, the idea was giving the Palestinians areas that were carved out of Israel for, the, for them to have total autonomy. Uh, they could do everything except have a military there, uh, and it would be the Israeli military that would have sanction over those areas. They call them occupied, and yet every time Israel has to go in there to quell an act of terrorism, Israel is going in and coming back out, which means they aren't occupying it. And you look at Gaza, which the which uh, Bush made them give up. Look what happened mm-hmm. with Gaza. And you want Israel now to give up even more land and to give up the right to go into that area to rid it of terrorists? It's the most insane idea in the world, and that's that would be part of it. So if Israel does this, you could kiss it goodbye. But Israel is in a death spiral at the moment. Uh, the Haredim now have told uh, Netanyahu, pull off of uh, judicial reform. We don't really care about judicial reform because it doesn't pertain to us anyway because we don't pay any attention to, uh, to any of the rulings of that secular court. We're, uh, we're insulated with our own uh, rulings. And all we want is an absolute guarantee that we want that our... Herodim will not be drafted into the IDF, and that's the thing that's made Israel special because this really tiny country surrounded by 101 uh, Muslims that hate them is able to defend itself because everyone serves. Uh, right. Everyone serves, including women. And yet the Herodim want the lone exception, and they want to be paid uh, and to have an exception for uh, studying in their yeshivas, which all they're doing is getting religious indoctrination. Plus, they want the state to fund their schools, but in their schools, they do not teach English. They do not teach the sciences. They do not teach math. And so those who go to those schools, all they know is how to be controlled by the rabbis. They're not marketable. They can't work for a living. So they're dependents upon the state. And when the Haredim were, were supposedly negotiating for this most recent bill, they said, drop uh, judicial reform and pass a bill that exempts the Herodim from uh, IDF service. And when it said, well, why don't we, just so we don't have a civil war here and to have the entire country come down on you and hate you, why don't we say that you can be and you would be drafted on non-IDF things that were beneficial to the country. So it's two years of, uh, of service even if it isn't in uh, the, uh, the military. And they said, absolutely not. And they said, unless you do this, we will leave the coalition and then bring the government down. Now, what I would have done if I were Netanyahu is I would have said, okay, go ahead. <laughs> right now, you have a prime minister that will listen to you and will tell you that what you're asking for is suicidal, and yet he will do the best he can to carve out monies for you and protections for you. But if you bring this government down, you're going to have a secular leftist government. 
where you will have absolutely no say, and the very first things that they will do is they will eliminate all of the benefits that uh, you have uh, elicited yep. under me. So if you think yep. that playing blackmail with me and threatening me in this way is uh, going to prevail, try it. Because I'm not going to uh, allow you to commit suicide through me. But Netanyahu didn't have the courage to do it. I don't know what, what happened. This, this was a man at one time that had uh, some compunction, but uh, he uh, seems to have lost it. And so that's a very sad situation that is happening uh, uh, there. Um, Can I ask a question? Sure. America's sitting on more oil than anyone in the world. Yes. That's, that's debatable. Uh, right. You want to play want to play uh, money wars? What's valuable? We have oil. The thing that made them valuable is they have oil in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East. Why don't we go and compete with them? Why don't we get rid of this government and put one in that knows what oil's worth and let them pump it and let them have a pipeline and all that stuff? Oh, I mean, of we, course, yeah. If you put the, uh, the, the pipeline uh, from uh, uh, Canada with all of their uh, shale oil, and you uh, mm-hmm. drill uh, in the Gulf of Mexico off the California coast and uh, off uh, in, in the Gulf of Mexico and off the eastern U.S. Uh, and if you uh, built pipelines across the U.S. to transport gas, which America is exceedingly rich in gas, and gas is, is uh, very yep. friendly <laughs> environmentally. Right. Uh, and, yep. if, and if America, rather than giving away uh, nuclear reactors, actually built them in the United States, uh, we would uh, be importing uh, uh, gas, and Saudi Arabia couldn't uh, blackmail us. Now, that's the yeah. bottom line, but, uh, but uh, the Biden administration has played this stupidly and mm-hmm. has uh, curtailed uh, drilling, curtailed pipelines. And so we're now in a situation where, where for example, we should have been drilling in Anwar. And, you know... <laughs> Fossil fuels are, are what we have for transportation, and it's what we have to generate uh, energy. Uh, and uh, you know, there there are ways to even generate uh, electricity via uh, coal now with uh, very minimal environmental uh, uh, degradation. Uh, but right. um, we, we just we are committing suicide ourselves. So, so uh, it's not just the Haredim and Israel that are committing suicide. Uh, so are, are we in America. There was a, an amazing speech that took place uh, this week by a guy I've always uh, disliked. Uh, and I've always realized this guy uh, epitomized everything that I disliked about the U.S. military. Uh, I think he was at one time a four-star general. He uh, became um, uh, a, uh, um, an advisor uh, to, um, I think, even as high as national security advisor under the Trump administration. Uh, he is a, a wing a Christian wacko. Uh, his name is Michael Flynn. Uh, uh, he gave a, a speech uh, this week where uh, he said, you probably uh, know of me. I was uh, a very famous uh, general. And he uh, decided he would go in to say, talk about uh, the Jews and the Nazis. And he says, you know, the, the Jews were responsible for their own deaths at uh, Auschwitz uh, because when he visited Auschwitz, he was told there were very few guards relative to the number of, uh, of Jewish uh, 
um, uh, I was both slaves and uh, and people on the and en route to being murdered uh, in the concentration camps. And so, just by sheer numbers, the the Jews could have overwhelmed them. Well, uh, fact of the matter is that's not true. Uh, the Germans had all of the guns. It was uh, surrounded by uh, barbed wire, and uh, the mm-hmm. Jews were emaciated. And uh, had they uh, attempted a uh, a revolt, uh, they they may have been able to kill one or two uh, Germans, but they, they would never ever have gotten out Gunned of down. Poland or occupied uh, Europe. Uh, and then he went on to say. He says, and, and talk about uh, uh, how bad the Jews were. Uh, they couldn't, mothers couldn't wait to, uh, to give their Jews over to the Nazis to be packed into those trains like sardines. The mothers just handed their children over to the Nazis to have them carted away in those trains. Who said this? Michael Flynn. Michael Flynn. He was a oh, national security gosh. advisor to Trump. Four-star U.S. Uh, general. No, I guess three-star. He was a lieutenant uh, general. That's uh, disgusting. Yep. Is that uh, just a bit? How dumb, how dumb are the Americans? Flynn blamed the Jews for being exterminated in World War II because there were thousands of them and not many guards, and the Jews were willingly going along with the Nazis. Okay, here's my child, and uh, take them away on the train. Yeah, stunning. It is. This is a kind of person who was involved in the leadership of America. It boggles the mind how uh, how corrupt we can be. But I think, speaking of corruption, that the greatest corruption in human history is what Judaism, Islam, and Christianity have done relative to dote. Uh, not yeah. one of the three religions even knows the man's name, that it's uh, written with three letters and uh, in Hebrew, it reads the same left to right as it does right to left. Deleth, wa deleth. It is uh, two doorways, and the uh, and in the middle, the uh, the tent peg that uh, is um, additive. Uh, it is uh, securing. It is enlarging on on uh, a doorway, uh, and. This is the man that opened the door to life as the uh, the Passover lamb. Um, he is the the man who provides the doorway into the covenant family uh, as well. In Christianity, uh, since there are no prophecies of any kind pertaining to Jesus, not one. There's no prophecy that said there'd be a coming Messiah. There's no prophecy uh, that names anyone named Jesus or even a Hebrew variation of uh, of Jesus not a single prophecy and so to create the impression that uh, God uh, had predicted 
this uh, caricature that the Christian faith was perpetrated in the world, Jesus, they needed prophecies that he had to fulfill, and every one of those is actually spoken of doubt. Even the most famous, Isaiah 9. Dode's name is in the middle of it. It all speaks of Dode. Second uh, Samuel 7 speaks of, uh, of Dode. Uh, Isaiah 53 speaks of Dode. Um, every one of the Mismor speaks in first person about the fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, and Bekotim, uh written by Dode. In fact, I would say that of the, the things made evident within the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, now, there's a lot of things that are made evident. The single most proclaimed um, event throughout the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms is Dode's fulfillment of Pesach, Matzah, Bekotim, and Shabu. Uh And second on to that is the announcement that Dode is the Messiah and the Son of God that he is our Zeroah, the sacrificial lamb, and our Savior, that he is God's firstborn. These are the two prophetic statements that have by far the most credibility. They are the most well-documented from really the Torah all the way through the prophets. And Dode's name is therefore mentioned, I think, 1,150 times, give or take a, uh, a, a half dozen. Well, Dode's name is mentioned far more often than yeah. even Moshe's name. I mean, the only name that is mentioned more than Dode's is his father, Yahweh. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and, and so to rob this man of his accolades, son of God, firstborn, uh, chosen one, most set apart, anointed Messiah, a shepherd, a king, even king of kings, Elohim, almighty, uh, as in God himself, savior, branch. All of these titles and accolades, all were stolen from Dode, and given to uh, to Jesus to create credibility for Jesus when there is none. It's one of the great thefts of human history. Yes. And totally. there is nothing that makes God matter. I mean, God's very angry that his name has been etched out of, uh, of his testimony uh, and that... Uh, the religions claim to serve him when they lead people away from him. He is exceedingly disappointed and frustrated by that, but nothing angers God more than denouncing what his son has done. Most amazing, of course, is in Christianity, the Christians will have their their man-god uh, die on Pesach, but have no correlation with Pesach at all. They'll not even mention what happened on the Shabbat of matzah because they got no clue what it represents. And then they'll have a physical bodily resurrection on Bakurim, having no concept of what Bakurim represents or that 
his body was destroyed back there on Passover. And here then the Jews, seeing this mythology of Christianity, begin to take root, and rather than just point out the obvious, read the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms, everything you're claiming of your guy is actually stated of Dode David, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, that he is the Passover Lamb, that he is the Chosen One. Everything is said of Dode. And nothing is said of this Jesus fellow that you've imagined. And oh, by the way, he came on the exact day he said he would to fulfill Pesach, Matzah, Bukurim, and Shavuah. And then there is no Christianity. You've eliminated the religion that would do more to harm Jews through the ages than any other. And to make matters worse, not only didn't rabbis who emerged at the same time uh, denounce the claims of Christianity uh, by pointing out that all of these things belonged to Dode, that Dode was the Messiah, they foisted a false Messiah on the world, uh, 20 Yobel Oh, no, excuse me, well, uh, to Yobel uh, later in the Yobel year of 133 versus 33. And that uh, false messiah was Bar Kokhba, which is son of a star. And, of course, Israel parades under that symbol even today. So this is uh, what has happened. It was the, it's between his people, uh, those people who he was making his sacrifice on behalf of, uh, not only don't acknowledge him, they have no respect for what he did. Won't even convey his name correctly. There's no V in, uh, in Hebrew. It's Dode, not David. And, and they allowed Christians to create a religion that would lead to the Holocaust by simply being ignorant and unable and unwilling to acknowledge that everything they claimed of Jesus was actually true of Doug. And so both religions created uh, these myths on on replacement theology and both claimed to have God's authorization when I can tell you God despises both with every fervor of his body, of his spirit and of his nature. So that's where we pick up the uh, the read. uh, and for just as an overview, uh, about uh, seven or eight years ago, I came to recognize that uh, everything that was set about to Dode needed to be reapplied to him. That when we speak of Messiah, that's Dode, David. When we speak of Son of God, that's no David because God said so. I rewrote all of the books at that time, 20-some of them, um, to make certain that we had correctly presented uh, Dode as the single most important person in God's story. He is the embodiment of the covenant. He is God's firstborn son. He is the returning king. It is Dode who is coming back as the Messiah and king. Mm-hmm. And, and soon, by the way, uh, 
Um, your 6,000 yawn Kapuram, which is uh, sunset, 6.22 p.m., October 2nd, 2033. Yep. So you've, uh, we rewrote all of the books to make certain that we were stating that correctly. But six months ago, I uh, was uh, writing, finally returned. We finished all of the edits. They're all, you know, new Newly designed, we had an entire team that was devoted to this from, from social media to a, a new website to uh, new publications so that all the books were presented as part of the Yada Yawa family, all uh, looking the same, uh, all beautifully uh, presented, available at Amazon, available in their entirety at the yadayaw.com site. Built this entire presentation on behalf of, of God's chosen people, Israelites, uh, Jews, Yehudim. And I decided it was time, uh, after having written the series on Babel, um, which was three new uh, uh, volumes based upon the three books that were written in Babel, the two books that were written in Babylon became three volumes, Daniel and Ezekiel, both of which uh, are, uh, are, for the most part, uh, rotten. Uh, and decided I would return to Coming Home. I'd written two volumes of Coming Home. I uh, had made it through about the 23rd uh, or Psalm. And in those two volumes, and decided, okay, I'll return and we'll take off from there. And I, so I was um, translating Psalms in their way, 24, 25, 26, up through about 31. And in the midst of that, I was dealing with something, uh, Kirk, I know you're going to make part of your uh, glossary, which is uh, yes. stems, stems and moods. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I came across is how often in those mismore don't write statements uh, where the speaker is you and you happens to be Yahweh, and they're written in the imperative, which is a second person expression of free will so it is he's saying he's having projecting on Yahweh so that Yahweh is the speaker or are the subject and it says you know you and then written in the uh, in the imperative would mean you want me to do this it's your will that I do this you have decided that it's appropriate that I do this but those statements were also written in the cohortative. And it's unusual to have two volitional moods on the same verb. But the cohortative is a first-person expression of volition. So if Dode is writing something in first person, which he typically does, and he speaks of Yahweh in second person as you, which he typically does, and he writes it such that it is in the imperative mood, so it would be expressing Yahweh's will, Yahweh's decision, Yahweh's choice, and in the cohortative, which expresses Dode's will, Dode's choice, Dode's decision, what he has chosen and wants to do. And when, they, when he speaks of providing salvation and of intervening on behalf of his people and saving them, every one of the verbs is written expressing the will of the speaker, Dode, and the will of Yahweh. 
And so it says that God and Dode, Yahweh and Dode, father and son, were of like mind, that this is something they collectively decided to do together. It's what Dode wanted and Yahweh agreed. Now we're talking about the fulfillment of Pesach and Matzah leading to Bakorim and Shabuah. You know, for those of you who don't know what happened, Dode in the 22nd Mizmor describes being flayed alive by the Romans and then being nailed to an upright pole to be crucified by the Romans. 600, 700 years before Rome even existed and 800 years before Rome invented crucifixion. Right. And so being the Passover lamb is no stroll in the park. It's the most hellacious day any human has ever experienced. And he also volunteered to fulfill matzah, which is even worse. It was made particularly worse because Dode agreed to carry all of our slime, all of our guilt, everything every covenant member has ever done, said, or thought that was wrong, and took it all with him into Sheol, hell, and deposited it there so it could be never seen again. With all of the evidence against us thrown into the black hole of hell, we're exonerated. There's no evidence against us. Not guilty. And so he he agreed to endure hell to save us from ourselves after fulfilling Pesach. And all of these Mismore were saying the same thing. This is what I want to do. And they're all written with God said, yep, the right decision. I agree with you. You're my son. And those are the two most hellacious days that anyone will ever endure. And I agree with you. It's the right call. It's the right decision. And you say, wait a minute, why? Well, this is what we ran against six months ago. I had always suspected that it was Dode who fulfilled Pesach and Matzah leading to Bakotam and Shabuah. Because as the firstborn son of God, what do you think Bakotam means? Bakotam means firstborn children. He's the natural. He's the most obvious beneficiary of Shabuah in terms of being enlightened, to being uh, empowered, being enriched. And so he's the only one that fits those two. And it was just the most logical for the other two. But I couldn't get past the idea of why would Yahweh allow his son to do that? And this now wasn't talking about Yahweh allowing it. It was saying Yahweh, saying it's the right thing to do. I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. And why would Dode volunteer? I mean... Yeah, he had some rough days when he, when he didn't quite know how to deal with Shaul. He uh, uh, he uh, um, messed up a number of times with his uh, his children, particularly uh, Absalom. Um, he made some bad decisions when God gave him some choices. He he really screwed up uh, when he uh, had his general killed so that he could take Bathsheba, uh, his wife. Uh, 
But, you know, the 2 Samuel 7 says that God gave him a respite from all of this. He, he was living the good life. Right. And so why would he then not only agree to this, but actually be taken forward in time as the eyewitness to his own crucifixion? That's what the 22nd Mismore is. He's volunteering to do this, and yet he has been taken forward in time to witness himself being flailed alive and then tortured in the most extreme manner by the worst of, uh, of humankind, the Romans. And then he is shown what's going to happen to him on matzah and Sheol. And he not only says, I'm going to do it, I want to do it. And you're reading this and you're saying, how can that be? And this one day, six months ago, it, I'm, I'm reading this and I said, well, I've got to deal with it now because Yahweh and Dode, father and son, are like mine. This is what they have decided they want. Why? And the answer became obvious. And the more that I've translated since that time, I've seen the answer come up so many, many, many times. Uh, I'm uh, doing now, finishing my translation of Mismore 88, and it's a complete and total rewrite. Uh, Mismore 88 is, is written on the fulfillment of matzah and the trip into hell, being laden with, uh, with our guilt. And as you, you do this, Dode Wright gave the answer in the introduction to the uh, 88th Mizmore. I don't know if you know that. I didn't know it until I uh, started this, and, and something that I thought I would be, I thought I'd be finished with the 8th volume of Yadaya in the rewrite um, a week ago, and I'm still halfway through because it's uh, a treasure. I had no idea that Dode actually gave us the answer that I came up with um, some uh, some time ago. Uh, and so uh, as, um, as I'm reading this, Dode devotes the, uh, the 88th Mismore to uh, Korosh. He was as, as bad as they ever got. Um, uh, Korosh led a rebellion against Moshe and against Yahweh. Uh, Yahweh opened up the earth to swallow him and says specifically he and his 2,250 uh, co-conspirators, he sent alive into Sheol. Mm. Uh, and it goes on to talk about the, the, the people that, that set the example that caused him to recognize that he had to um, uh, do this. Because here's Moshe uh, flabbergasted that all of this is happening uh, to him. And Moshe is, uh, is, uh, is uh, trying to deal with it. And it, this is one revolt among a dozen that are just revolting. And and in one of them uh, that is hinted at pretty uh, vociferously in uh, the 88th Mismore, it's when 
The Hebrews even went to Moshe and said, you know, we've been through this before. We told you we didn't want you to be our Savior. Now, you tried this once before, and we told you we didn't want what you were offering. So right now we want to return to the land of milk and honey, and that's Egypt. We want to be slaves again. And so Dode is the foremost expert on the Torah. Uh, there is, well, since Moshe, there's been no one who knows the Torah better than does Dode. Uh, Dode wrote all about this uh, throughout uh, uh, the 119th Mizmor. You know, one, uh, eight verses for every letter in the Hebrew alphabet in alphabetical order on how to observe the Torah. He knew, which is how he wrote the introduction to the psalm, that Moshe was a man of exemplary character and that Moshe did almost nothing wrong and almost everything right. That <laughs> Dode was yeah. more of a livable rogue. And, yeah. <laughs> and yet, Israelites, with God's presence among them, with God feeding them and saving them and intervening for them and being there as a column of, a fire in the night and as, as you know, a cloud pillar in the day and, and there in the tabernacle, there with them all the time, they were constantly revolting against Moshe. And Dode, with all of his screw-ups, had to say, you want me to lead <laughs> these people down. forever? Are you kidding me? Moshe couldn't do it for 40 years. And I'm no Moshe. And by the way, you were there the whole time. No. And, and oh, by the way, it's an entirely different scenario. They were slaves about to be wiped out and extinct as a people. You removed them from the absolute worst possible circumstances and led them to freedom, and they couldn't even endure Moshe under those circumstances. Yep. And you want me to lead this group of people forever? It's not possible. <laughs> no. And then Dode figured it out. He said, wait a minute. Yep. Pesach and Matzah leads to Bukodim and to Shabua and to Teruah and Kaporim. You want me to come back on Kaporim to be the king of Sukkah? Aha. Uh-huh. Why do we start <laughs> with Kaporim? when we should start with Pesach. Let me open the door. Let me unburden my people of all the things they did to Moshe and they've done to me. Let me take all of that away. I will pay the price to be their savior. And under that basis, 100% of those who make it into forever and celebrate my return on Kapuram as I seek to lead them forevermore through Sukkah will respect me. They will respect what I have done. I will have earned their respect because, frankly, none of them would be there if I hadn't done this. It's two days. Okay, it's two really bad days. But it's for all time. And it pulls the entire picture together of father and son completing the most important acts in human history together. Pesach B'Kodem, 
Pesach Matzah B'Kodem Shabuah. Teruah, which is about announcing this regarding Dode. Kaporim, the Day of Reconciliations, where he anoints the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant so that Yisrael and Yahweh can reconcile their relationship and then camp out together through Sukkot. And so once we recognize that is the, not only God's intent and will, and Dode's intent and will, but once you recognize the motivation for both, and then you recognize that it's repeated um, hundreds and hundreds of times. It's the single most explained series of events in the Torah and Prophets. And it actually begins in the first Mizmor and is, is evident in the second Mizmor. Um, and it's particularly evident here in the 89th Mizmor. And it is exceedingly evident throughout everything that Yeshaya Isaiah wrote. It's the common denominator of everything in the Torah and Prophets. And there are so many hints in the Torah about specifically what uh, Dode would do. So that is why we're studying this. And once we came to that realization, it meant that, okay, there's now 30 books on the shelf. They all have to be rewritten. Because, well, I, I knew that, uh, that, um, that Dode was the Messiah and the Son of God. I uh, had to eliminate this um, aberration that I had created called Yosha. I named him after Yosha ben Nun because uh, it was the only name that I would think of that would uh, would justify the creation of, of an Iusus, Iusun, uh, Jesus fellow. And we it, it bear the name that would describe the purpose, which is Yahweh saves. Well, actually, Yahweh used as that name. And so, uh, um, uh, it, but it's, it's, it's not used in conjunction with fulfilling Pesach and Matzah. Right. And then... Uh, um, so but what I, I assumed was that it was Yahweh using his soul to fulfill these events, which, you know, okay, so Yahweh uh, could experience what it's like to fulfill Pesach, but boy, that's um, having Rome beat up God is a, is a pretty uh, um, awful thought. And, and how does Yahweh go, even his soul, go to a place of separation from Yahweh? And right. the idea of Yahweh then uh, fulfilling firstborn children, his soul certainly is not his son. And then how does Yahweh fulfill uh, Shabuah? Because how are you going to enrich and empower God? It, it didn't make any no. sense. Um, but I was no. trying to figure, figure it out. And, uh, and so now what I needed to do is go back and eliminate every reference to uh, Yosha. And I had to eliminate every that. reference to this this idea that it would have been Yahweh's soul trying to, uh, working as a probe to try to accomplish these things on our behalf. It um, And it might sound simple, but you find that there's something that, that is suggestive of this out of almost every page of 
you know, volumes that average 600 pages. And so we've been uh, diligently doing this. And right now we're in the eighth volume of Yada Yada after completing uh, the free, previous seven volumes of Yada Yada, three volumes of An Introduction to God, uh, three volumes of, uh, of Babel, uh, and three volumes of Coming Home. Um, so, Can I ask a question about sure. the soul of Dode? I was thinking about what you had translated where Yahweh describes Dode's soul being uh, basically asleep, the only exception that we know of, um, and that he didn't want to prolong his life unnaturally to eat the bread of affliction until he could fulfill this role. And I was thinking that it makes sense that you wouldn't want a soul to pass over into eternity and then bring them back to earth once they're immortal to fulfill a role that a mortal should be fulfilling. Right. And it just made sense to me. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I was wondering your thoughts. I mean, I, we, we broke up a little bit on, on your, uh, your explanation oh, there, sorry. but, but uh, um, one of the things, and maybe this might help too, is that in the, in second Samuel seven, uh, one of the concluding statements is that Yahweh, when he's saying he's bringing Dode back, he says he's going to uh, essentially reconstruct Dode from a a, a tiny uh, portion of uh, of his uh, physical existence, which would be DNA. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I've come to the conclusion that the the Dode who was uh, crucified that fulfilled Passover, that body was uh, essentially identical to Dode, probably as Dode was when he was the 30, 33 years old. And the reason is that that body would make his, you know, uh, his son feel the most comfortable. That was his body. And yep. he was offering that body as the, as the Peacock AL. Um, yep. uh, so it was the flaming red hair and very, very handsome uh, human being. <laughs> And you get around the problem of that because the only place where it says that he wouldn't be appealing is in the, in the, the preamble to Yashaya 53. But the preamble of Yashaya 53 that says, you know, this is you know, nothing to, uh, that you would, you would admire him based upon his, uh, his human characteristics. Uh, that's written about the person who figures out who the Zoroa are. And it's, uh, mm. it, the lead into that is, that is the voice calling out. That is the Bashar, the witness. That's not Dote. Um, right. That's the, fellow, that's the fellow speaking to you. And so yeah. he's the one that isn't uh, that you're, you would not say, "Wow, that is a really distinguished and and uh, somebody that uh, that you know I, I'm going to swoon around." Uh, the actual Dote was that kind of guy. But his uh, messenger, his um, his herald, is not. Uh, so I think it was uh, Dode's DNA, and I think that that uh, Dode um, uh, was uh, unique also in this uh, way. Uh, he had two clunkers as uh, as mothers, uh, and it was part of the the beauty of it is because he also had a clunker as a father. I don't I mean both times. I think he had. He struck out on fathers and mothers on first and second uh, uh, existences, first and second lives. Uh, Yishe was a scallywag. Uh, Yishe, in his, all the stuff that we hear from him, he doesn't say anything that is, is positive and a number of things that are negative. No. Uh, and, so, and his mother is not even mentioned uh, either time. 
either life. Mm-hmm. So I think that's written that way to to tell us that um, God understands that uh, families, uh, human families, are fractured, and that's why He's yeah. offering us a covenant family. And so Dode's real mother is the set apart spirit, right. both times, and his real father is Yahweh, both times. And so he had the best father and mother in the world, in the universe, even though he had real clunkers as uh, birth parents. Um, so I think that's part of, of all of this. Um, but it was Dode that fulfilled Pesach. It's Dode that's the Messiah. It's Dode that's coming back. It is Dode that fulfilled Matzah. And he fulfilled Matzah by allowing his soul to be laden with our, uh, our guilt and taking it into shield and deposited it there so that there is no evidence against us, and therefore we appear perfect. Yep. All right, with that, let's uh, resume where we were. We left off uh, on a summary of, uh, of um, uh, the 89th, uh, and I just want to read the 33 through 35th and then uh, share some, some thoughts with you about it. Uh, this is uh, God speaking. His name is Yahweh. He says, I will never betray who I am. By communicating something which is misleading or untrue, nor will I ever contradict or undermine my steadfast commitment to uphold the truth and remain uh, accurate and reliable. I will never dishonor or betray, nor will I create loopholes which alter my covenant, Barathani. Nor will I ever alter, disguise, or change, rearrange, or modify, duplicate that which has gone forth from my lips. So God's saying, if I've said it, I'm not going to contradict it, which means that replacement theology is impossible. It means that there can be no Talmud, there can be no New Testament, there can be no Quran. God's never going to betray who he is by saying something which contradicts or undermines something he has previously conveyed. And he is never going to dishonor his covenant. There is one of them. There is no new covenant. There's only one covenant, and that covenant family is central to God's purpose and will. Ichad, there is only one to whom I have affirmed the truth by having made a promise, thereby validating my commitment which will be affirmed seven times. How many Moed Mekray are there? Seven. Of course. By Kodesh Ani, by my unique set-apart nature, if not to, through, and regarding Dode, the beloved, I am delusional and will be proven a liar. I do not think that the creator of life the author of this universe that we live in is delusional. The spirit behind the Torah and prophets is uh, not a liar. Everything that he has said has come true. And therefore, what he has said about dote is true. But what he is saying here is that if you are to foist a bar kakva, or a Jesus Christ on uh, the people and establish a religion based upon a false Messiah and claim that I am the inspiration and the God of your religion, 
you are calling me a liar. I don't think God much likes being called a liar. <laughs> this is the bright line drawn by God in the sands of time. The phone ringing behind me happens to be my youngest son, who should know that I'm doing this program at this time, but he has called three times, so there's something going on there. I, if he calls again, I might have to take a moment and uh, and uh, deal with it. But um, um, uh, this was presented in year 3000. Uh, yeah. Hang on one second. I want to give the uh, phone to my wife. Let her call him back and see if uh, if there's a, an emergency that can be dealt with. Okay. Sure. Just one second. Okay. No problem. I uh, saw someone didn't understand my question, so I'm just going to explain for a moment, if that's okay with you, Kirk, that Very what awesome. I was getting at was if Dode went to become a four-dimensional being and then came back three-dimensional to be born as a mortal, it doesn't make as much sense to me because I was trying to understand why Yahweh would put Dode to sleep and then have him return. Uh, thank you. Yeah, he would call question. me. Yeah, he wouldn't call me three times if there wasn't something going on. So I've given the phone to Leah to okay? see if she can. We're going to find out. Uh, I, I do not know. Okay. Uh, if, uh, if she brings the phone back to me and say that I need to deal with this, then I'll have to take a time out. Uh, you know, you're, uh, he's an adult now and, and, and lives on his own, has a wonderful uh, job and, and, and girlfriend and the like. Um, but, you know, he's still my kid. And, uh, yeah. and father, father-son relationships, as Dode can attest, are important ones, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm a, actually a very fortunate man that uh, that that relationship is not fractured. It's a very healthy and uh, and good one. So anyway, this this Mismore that we're reading, you know, the 89th, was written exactly 3,000 years ago. It was written in uh, 968 uh, BCE. Uh, that means that it was written. That means that it's uh, uh, written three years uh, after, um, uh, 3,000 years after, we were escorted out of the Garden of uh, Great Joy. Uh, Adam and Chawa were expelled. And is written exactly 3,000 years before Yahweh and Dode will return on Yom Kippur. This is the, the fulcrum upon which uh, humanity pivots in one way or another, like the teeter-totter on the fulcrum going up or down. So Yahweh undeniably and unequivocally presented his most impassioned plea to his people at the center point in time. His focus was on his family and his foremost son. This is the cornerstone of the bereft and of the family home known as the temple. And it was laid upon Moriah, Moriah. And it is the one that everyone has rejected. Over the past 22 years, as, as both you, uh, Kirk and Dee, know, mm-hmm. um, I, I have come upon some... Oh, probably two or three thousand unique insights 
several hundred of them exceedingly important, profound, that have gone unheralded for some of them for 3,000 years, uh, most for 2,500 years or more. And during that time, I I'm, would have to say that, that the single most important discovery is the realization that Yahweh and Dode, father and son, fulfilled the seven Moed Mikre together and what that means mm -hmm. to us and what they had to say about these things uh, and how Dode is the center of, of, the, of the covenant, uh, God's firstborn son. And it is the thing that once you come to realize this, it just profoundly enhances your life. It uh, enhances your understanding uh, of Yahweh, uh, your adoration for Yahweh and his love for his son and his very nature that he would uh, fulfill this means for us to reconcile our relationship with him and be part of his family together with his son. This, this is the cornerstone of understanding. This is the greatest discovery really in human history. And, uh, and what's so amazing about it, though, is that, well, we are the first to share this and explain it and prove it. 3,000 years. Um, it should have been obvious. You know, it's really hard to take credit for something that is, is this obvious. I mean, what in the world did people think that the 22nd Mismore clearly speaks of, of crucifixion in the fulfillment of Passover? And the 88 clearly speaks of the fulfillment of Matzah leading to Bakurim. And so does Isaiah 53. What in the world, what were people thinking when they were reading these things? And it's so blatantly obvious that it is Dode is the one doing this. So why, how, why would we be the first in 3,000 years to discover something, well, infinitely more valuable than discovering the Ark of the Covenant? Sure. Truly. Yeah. Why? I mean, this is actually a more important find than the Dead Sea Scrolls. It's not to Just say so it couldn't be corrupted. The Ark of the Covenant is an exceedingly important uh, treasure, and it will be brought to light so that Dode can anoint the mercy seat upon his return. And I, I'm not saying, suggesting in any way that it isn't an exceptional treasure. And, of course, the Dead Sea Scrolls have led to so much of our understanding. But there is nothing more valuable than recognizing this. It, it, is, it brings everything together. One cohesive picture that God has painted from beginning to end. No loose ends. And yet it's obvious, so why? 
How could his people miss this? Well, I guess if you read the story about Korach or the waters of Meribah, you'll know the answer to that. It is the cornerstone that everyone has rejected. Had Yehudam Jews listened, had they embraced and accepted Yahweh's approach to Dod and the covenant, Yisrael would have remained the brightest light in an enlightened world. The assaults of the Assyrians, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Macedonians, the Romans, that never would have occurred. Dodes return to fulfill the first, Mo, first four Moedim would have been celebrated with God's people flocking into the covenant. Paul would have been so immediately and completely rebuked and discredited that Christianity would never have existed. Akiba and his false messiah would never have been heralded, nipping the emergence of Judaism in the bud. There would have been no diaspora, no oppression in Europe over the millennia. Without rabbis and their Talmud, Muhammad would have had insufficient material to flesh out his Quran, and Islam would have died in Petra. There would be no Dome of the Rock, no Al-Aska Mosque, no Islamic terrorism. The Holocaust would never have occurred. Of all of the things to ignore, these declarations from Yahweh were the costliest and most debilitating for Jews. The relationship God intended was replaced by religion, and humankind suffered. Estranged from Yahweh, as a consequence. This is really in your face. Uh, you know, God can't put something any more bluntly or in our face, throw it at our faces, than saying, if you discount what I have said about Dode being the Messiah, Dode being the Son of God, Dode being your Savior, if you discount that by attributing it to a false messiah and a false savior, you're calling me a liar. Some strong words. <laughs> strong words. And, and this is the creator of the universe that is saying this. If you do this, you're calling me a liar. And yet the most popular religion in the history of humanity does this very thing. And the religion that dominates his people did this very thing. How could we be so stupid? Yeah. You know, I know that um, the idea that my wife is creating animations um, that are are uh, becoming quite popular in Israel, directing um, people to the um, Yahweh's name, you know, Shema. Yes, several people shared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yahweh uh, is uh, Yahweh's, uh, is God's Shem. Yahweh's one. Uh, and beautiful f- 
animations that that introduce Yisrael to Yahweh again, and uh, and they're being uh, viewed uh, and yes. passed along in Yisrael. Uh, and we do our best to promote this uh, uh, program in Yisrael mm-hmm. because we do this for Yisrael. The purpose of the 89th Psalm is to prepare God's people for the return of your Messiah and the Son of God, your King, Dote. That is, that is the entire purpose of Teruah for which we were called. And, and so as I share these words, I, I'm critical, of course, of the rabbis for plundering this, but how is it possible that God's people have missed this? You have the Tanakh. You can read it. You can open it to the 22nd Mismore, to the 89th Mismore. You can read 2nd Samuel 7. You can read Yeshayah 9. You can read Yeshayah 52 and 53. In fact, you can read Yeshayah 11 mm-hmm. and understand who it is that's talking to you and why. It's all there for you. It's always been there for you. Capitalize on it. You're willing to call your country Israel based upon Yisrael. But you won't call yourselves Yehudim. Yahweh's beloved. You won't even mention Yahweh's name. Well, that's what we're trying to solve and resolve because Yahweh and Dota are returning on Yom Kippurim in year 6,000 Yah, October 2nd, just 10 years away. And to be among the celebrants on that day, you will need to embrace Yahweh's name. You will need to accept what he and his son have achieved. You'll need to understand that there are conditions for participation in the covenant, and they are all to your advantage, and that there are benefits associated with that covenant that were provided by father and son as they fulfilled the Mikrae. Christians, believing that Shaul, Paul, spoke the truth instead of the father and son who are articulated in this story, have created the most common and thus the most profane religion in the history of humanity by transferring the promises made to Dod and to Yisrael such they were given to the mythological misnomer Jesus Christ. Shame on them for believing and promoting such contradictions of Yahweh's testimony, for undermining the measure of God's mercy and the reliability of his testimony. There will be no accommodation for a gospel of grace, for salvation by faith, for a New Testament, for Jesus Christ being the Messiah, the Son of God, 
king of kings or savior. There was no Jesus Christ. To claim otherwise is to call God a liar. And as sad as that is, it's even sadder that Jews allowed this religion to grow up in their midst and then torment them simply because they were unwilling to acknowledge the obvious. Well, let's stop playing that game. Now, while these words from our God serve as a death blow to Christianity and a death blow hammered out a thousand years before Paul thrust his demonic devotion upon an unsuspecting world, his New Testament was not the gravest crime. How did 150 generations of Jewish sages, scholars, and rabbis over the course of 3,000 years, all managed to get this wrong. Why did they collectively and individually deprive Jews of knowing Yahweh through his son, Dod? Why did they prevent the salvation of several hundred million Jewish souls? Why isn't there a single credible Jewish sage, scholar, or rabbi on record affirming and promoting the impassioned message of father and son as it is articulated here in the 89th Mismore? Everything, literally everything, including the survival of Israel and humankind, the salvation of our souls, is predicated upon the words Yahweh spoke to us 3,000 years ago in the 89th Mizmor Psalm about his son. And this bold declaration does not stand alone. Instead, reinforced by the entirety of the Torah and prophets. It is the same wonderfully consistent an enormously loving message throughout. The 89th Mismore is just the grand crescendo of the chorus. The reason this is so is because Father and Son fulfilled the Mikre together. And for those that would say, oh, come on, you know, first of all, Jews don't even believe the Mikre were fulfilled. They, they think that Passover is a seven-day event and that Matzah no longer exists, nor does Bukurim. They've written the two, well, the single most important Mikre, where we are exonerated and perfected so that we can be adopted into God's family. They've written those things out of their religion. And they are unwilling to acknowledge that Pesach was fulfilled in your 4,000 Yah, as was Matzah, Bakodam, and Shabuah. Or that Dod, as the Son of God and the Messiah, did these things. And in so doing, have deprived everyone of the opportunity that they provide. And it is by Pesach that we live. 
PSOC wasn't just the doorway um, to the Exodus. The Exodus didn't even begin until the following day. PSOC is the doorway to life. And yes. Dode opened it for us. And Matzah is that threshold which perfects us because, uh, you know, Dode taking all of our guilt and depositing it off into Sheol so that we could be perfected and adopted into Yahweh's family. This is the very conditions of the covenant that Yahweh conveyed to Abraham. Walk to me and become perfect. Be perfected. This is precisely what he talked about. This is the cornerstone of the family home. We find and embrace the Father through the Son. They're inseparable. And they are becoming indistinguishable, which is what Elion means. God would go on to call his son, Dode, Elion. Almighty God. El is God. Own means in Hebrew, when it's presented as a suffix, means all things pertaining to. And the only thing between own and El and this is the hand of God. Note is the hand of God. And all things pertaining to God can be seen and experienced through Dode. Elion, indeed. There is a, one God with a single Torah, and he has one covenant, albeit seven Mikre, to bring us home. There is one Messiah, one Son of God, and a single Passover lamb. He is our Savior. This will never change. It will never be altered in any way. Nothing Yahweh revealed has been annulled, especially his love for his firstborn son. His offspring and that which he sows, Zerah. Zerah, by the way, is the verb that serves to define Zeroah which is the single most important title afforded to the Messiah. His offspring and that which he sows, Zerah, will exist and endure forever. He opened the doorway to life, which is why that is so. And his place of honor, his dignity and authority, as well as his adornment, will be as brilliant as the sun before me. Similar to the moon, he is established forevermore while serving as an enduring and reliable, truthful and dependable witness in the universe. Pause now and contemplate what you have just read. Ms. Moore lyrics to sing Psalm 89. 37. That's a, that's a lot to process. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when Dode says, thank you, I need to stop here and, and think about it. Okay, well, well, first of all, he has, defined his, he has defined his single most important title. His most important title is not king. It's not Messiah. It's not son of God. It's not chosen one. Dode's single most important title is defined by 
this verb, zera. It speaks of sowing seeds which take root and grow and are particularly productive. And that those seeds that generate new life are, are describing uh, eternal offspring, being part of the covenant. So he has defined his single most important title, Zerah. And of course, Zerah was, the Zeroah was the one title that was used multiple times in the preamble to this uh, Mizmor. When Messiah was used once and Zeroah, I think, was used four times. So his offspring, that which he sows, Zerahu, will exist and endure forever. He's talking about the eternal family of God, the covenant family, and that he has opened the door that makes it possible for us to live forever. Therefore, his place of honor, his dignity, his authority, as well as his adornment, will be as brilliant as the sun before me. Uh, we talked about the eclipses uh, in our last program and how um, in yes. 33 CE there was a solar eclipse um, uh, in year 4000 Yah on the first day of the year, first day of Abib, and that there was a lunar eclipse uh, in the uh, the afternoon of uh uh, I think it's a, a Beeb, uh, uh, well, be a Beeb uh, 14, but of uh, mm-hmm. I think it's April 3rd uh, of 33 CE. Uh, uh, there was a lunar eclipse on the day that Pesach was fulfilled. And as we go forward in time to the fulfillment of uh, of, of uh, Kippurim in year 6000, yeah, we find that that. Uh, um, in 2033, um, which is year 6,000, yeah, on the first of uh, Tishri, which is Teruah, there will be a full solar eclipse. Mm-hmm. And that on Sukkah, which is the fulfillment of, uh, of Yah's intent when, when he returns to camp out with his children, there will be a full lunar eclipse. And God specifically says that that the light of the sun and of the moon will be dimmed at at, uh, that time. And the reason that that we're going to see the solar and lunar eclipse coincide with the Moed Mikre, with these last three Moed Mikre, is that, that Yahweh and Dode are going to be our light. Dode's going to be as brilliant as the sun. Um, and even as the moon is mentioned here, the moon is the means for us to to designate when the these uh, last three moed will be fulfilled. Um, the sun reflects his father's light, just as the moon reflects the light of the sun. Beautiful. So it's a beautiful testament, yes, to what uh, God is establishing. So he's saying his son, Dode, is going to be as brilliant as the sun. And he is going to be as enduring 
as the uh, the light of the moon, always reliable and dependable. And as a result of him sowing these seeds, we will live forever. And that this result transpires within Shamaim, within the universe, which uh, beckons us. Um, it's a lot to say about a, uh, a man. I, wouldn't you love to have those credentials? <laughs> I think I'm good not. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure I'd want to pay the price. Uh, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm a little too wimpy to, uh, to do the crucifixion and the trip into, uh, to hell. Uh, and, and I don't have the motivation either. Um, first of all, I was already taken care of. Thank you very much. I'm going to capitalize on a good thing. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're not called to, uh, to lead God's people forevermore. So we really don't need that. Not looking for respect. You know, we're, I'm looking, looking for a, uh, a, a good time. I, one of my uh, kids that I've adopted here on the island says, you know, we're not here for a long time. We're here for a good time. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I think with, uh, yeah, that's we're here point. for a long time and for a good time. But, uh, uh, and I'm glad to help uh, Dode out uh, as uh, whatever, you know, he may need. Uh, uh, and I, I'm not uh, opposed to work, but um he had a really? unique situation, and that's why he did what he did, and, and we most certainly don't need to uh, to do it. But clearly the son's dignity, his authority, as, as well as the symbols of his majesty will be brilliant. He has to be uh, dressed brilliantly, by the way, adorned brilliantly, because he is acting as the uh, chief priest, uh, the head uh, priest. Um, uh, and because what he's doing is... Uh, he is going into uh, uh, the newly established, probably constructed out of light, but um, home uh, for the covenant. Um, and in the most set-apart place, the uh, uh, the Ark of the Covenant will be again. Uh, and it will be Dode's responsibility to do what Yahweh instructed, which is to anoint the mercy seat to enable the reconciliation of the remnant of Israel who has gathered this day. It will be a grand celebration of the, uh, of the Torah. Can you imagine being there, seeing the, the house of Yahweh reestablished, seeing Dode and, uh, as brilliant as the sun, uh, going in and anointing, and you're actually looking at the Ark of the Covenant with the cherubim on the, uh, on the uh, opposite sides, and it, it's a seat and you realize it's not only Dode's seat of honor, it's ours as well. And that's not just Yahweh's home, it's our home as well. And that guy that's doing all of this stuff, he just happens to be our king and our shepherd. And this is our home. Awesome. And this is our God. And we're his kids. Yep. Hey. And that's what we're being offered. <laughs> Don't try it down. Don't try it down. I'll be seeing you guys there. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's the, the greatest the greatest sight in the uh, the history of humanity for you know for for us the greatest day was uh, Dode's worst. 
it was the fulfillment mm -hmm. of uh, of matzah. I think it might have been uh, uh, Yahweh's worst as well, uh, uh, seeing his son volunteer to carry our guilt uh, into Sheol after being having his body bludgeoned by the Romans. That, that had to be the very lowest yeah. point of Yahweh's existence, certainly the lowest point of those existence, but it is the single most important uh, day for us, uh, both Pesach and Matzah, but particularly Matzah. That is the day of days for us. That's why God goes uh, to the fullest descent he's possible. Every accolade that he can throw on a day, he throws on, on Matzah. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's the most set apart. Uh, it is the most uh, essential. It is a, uh, a chag. It is a Shabbaton, uh, which means it's to celebrate all things associated with the, the Sabbath on top of all of that. It is it's the day of days. You're going to celebrate it for seven days. Uh, you just can't say enough about it. It's not the uh, the day of days for Yahweh. Day of day for Yahweh. Uh, and I think also for Dod is Kippurim. This is the homecoming. This is the, the family reunion. Everything that father and son have done, everything Moshe did, everything that he did with Abraham, everything he did with, with Jacob, uh, all of it is for, for uh, Kippurim to be a success so that Sukkah is enjoyed. What a time to be alive. It is. And all of the promises that God made to the, the Nakri and the Choter and the Bashar to serve as the cold voice to call God's people home, it is all for that purpose, so that it's a marvelous celebration of a family reunion on Kippurim, and that Yisraelites and Yehudim are looking up to Yahweh and coming with the one that that they have pierced and and with tears of joy in their eyes seeing father and son return and knowing that we will be an eternal family um, living forever together this is the time to be alive it's and that's just 10 years from from this moment embrace it but this is this is the day of days for Yahweh when there's nothing on Yahweh's calendar that appeals to him more than this family reunion. And at, at this point, it is just all joy. It's, it's why so many of the events of this day are, um, are delegated. Uh, mm -hmm. Yahweh is going to spend this day, every moment of it, relishing the, the hugs and smiles and handshakes and giggles and... Uh, just genuine joy and happiness associated with every individual soul who is part of the covenant family and is going to be there forever. It, it is the day of days. And it is why we exist. We are the living embodiment of Teruah uh, to call God's people <laughs> to Kippurim. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, we've been... <laughs> Um, we've been talking about this. Uh, you wrote a, uh, a letter to me this week, uh, Dee, uh, talking about the events of, of uh, 2024. That <clears throat> next year mm -hmm. is another one of those years where there is a solar eclipse uh, and a, uh, a lunar eclipse on the, uh, the Moed Mikre. Um, and 
that's exceedingly rare. Now, there are years there are both solar and lunar eclipses. Lunar eclipses are much more common than solar eclipses. And by the way, just on this idea of the sun and the moon um, and telling a story, do you know how many times larger the sun is than the moon? Oh, I don't know how many, but a lot. 400. What is the number of a period of, uh, of completion of a, of a time of testing? If you wanted to use something mm-hmm. as a 40. sign. Uh, yeah, 40. Mm-hmm. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. The, uh, the sun is exactly 400 times larger than the moon. How much further away is the sun than the moon? 400 times. No way. The only reason that solar eclipses work is because while the sun is 400 times larger than the moon, it is 400 times further away. 400 and 400. Um, so when God speaks of the sun and the moon, he's also conveying a message that is relevant in the uh, relative sizes and distances of, uh, of these things. And that is what's causing the eclipse that draws our attention to these uh, days and year 6,000 Yah being the fulfillment of Yah's message. But as you said, that uh, um, 2024 uh, would, uh, would give us a, a longer period of time to be away from God's people because what you'd be talking about, the only event that would uh, happen uh, with the, be called with the eclipses would be uh, possibly the Teruwa harvest, which I'm hoping is much later in uh, 2029 because it just gives us more time. Um, And, and I can tell you for certain, we need more time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Israel is doing what God predicted. It's disintegrating and it's going to become, life's going to be very difficult for Jews. and, And it is during that difficult time, that a number of, uh, of Israelites and Yehudim are going to come home and to realize that is their best hope. So we are very encouraged uh, by that path, that the time of Yaakov's troubles will cause Jews to reach out to Yahweh, and they will find this message, and it will resonate with them. But uh, between now and then, uh, this should be the talk of Yisrael. Um, Rather than uh, progressives arguing against judicial reform and uh, Herodim uh, arguing against uh, uh, the uh, this idea that they shouldn't be parasites, um, this really should be the talk of Israel. And wouldn't you love it if if you could have a genuine debate? I'd debate anybody. I mean, this is what God said. Do you want to argue with him? Not, not I. <laughs> you want to call God a yeah? You want to call God a liar? No, you know how that works out. So right? hard. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. So this is our um, uh, this is our Terua. This is our message to God's people, and we uh, um, we want you to join us. We want you to have an appreciation that of all that. Father and Son are offering. Um, you know, Dode is not only Yahweh's most enduring and reliable witness, but he is the most readily verified source 
of restoring testimony. It's a role that, yeah, he has carried it out so well over the years. And his testimony will endure forevermore as we shock, laugh, and play through space and time. Our steps will be guided by Dode's reflection of Yahweh's almighty light. Think of Mismore 19.1, about the heavens quantifying the unit of measure. Yeah. Yahweh's handiwork, written by Dode. Yeah, and guess who his his most handy work happens to be? Fulfilling the (laughs) Moed Mekre with Dode. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. even an insight in, in uh, insight uh, insight in that declaration. Yeah. And so Christians, you can yeah. take your Madonna and child and her baby Jesus and your dead God on a stick and your second coming, and you can put them with the sun don't shine because they don't belong <laughs> in the ass world. You know, as for the Heredi and their horrifyingly morbid morning clothes, they're perfectly suited to continuing to worship dead rabbis, which is what they do while giving lip yeah, service to the Hashem they do not know and the Torah they have replaced, all while awaiting the arrival of their unknown Messiah. Mm. As for the enlightened, the informed, the rational, the reasonable, the second and, I should say the second, third, of uh, Dode's song, One Day Soon. I hope that you will all join me in the Covenant family when we sing this to our king. So this is a recap of the second third of this magnificent Mismore. And we'll end this program on uh, on this review. It, it begins with 89.25. As such, I will place my hand into the sea and might right side adjacent to flowing waters. The adversary will not outwit or nullify him, never negating his value or annulling his purpose, and the son of evil will not deny him or denigrate him, because he will have no answer for him. And so I will pulverize, even crush, vanquish, and incarcerate his foes, especially those who seek to constrain and restrict him. Then out of his presence, I will plague those who shun him by attempting to decrease his status. Therefore, my steadfast commitment to the truth and my unwavering love, determined devotion and enduring favoritism, my ongoing affection and genuine love are with him. My name, or in my name, his light will radiate and will enlighten, and his brilliant horn, symbolic of his status and strength and his role as the protective ram among the sheep during Pesach and again during Teruah, will be lifted up and raised on high and exalted. He himself will call out to me and he will welcome me, announcing, You are my father. And I also will bestow him as a gift, appointing and making him Bakor Ani, my firstborn. Mm. 
as Elion, Almighty God, the highest and uppermost in comparison to the kings and rulers of the earth. For all eternity, I will keep watch over him, paying very close attention to him, focusing on him. My unwavering love, unrelenting devotion, enduring affection, and genuine favoritism, in addition to my family-oriented covenant, are truthfully presented and reliably established, verified, and enduring through him. And I will establish his steed and that which he sows, especially his offspring, as an eternal witness forever. And his throne and dignity will be equated to the days of heaven. However, if his children continue to forsake, to ignore, to neglect, or reject my Torah teaching and guidance, and they make a habit of failing to walk according to to my means to justly resolve disputes, if they perpetually view my clearly communicated prescriptions for living with contempt, and further, if they consistently fail to observe the instructive terms of the relationship agreement, then I will hold them accountable, doing so with the full measure of their religious rebellion and their popular political revolt. The consequence of their deviation from the way and their wrongdoing will be a pestilence which causes widespread death. According to my unwavering love, enduring devotion, unmitigated favoritism, affection, and generosity, I will never revoke disassociate or remove from him or withdraw from him or stop being with him. I will never betray who I am by communicating something which is misleading or untrue, nor will I ever contradict or undermine my steadfast commitment to uphold the truth and remain accurate and reliable. I will never dishonest dishonor or betray, nor will I create loopholes which alter my covenant family. Nor will I amend, disguise or change, rearrange, modify or duplicate that which has gone forth from my lips. Each odd, there is only one to whom I have declared the truth by having made a promise, thereby validating my commitment which will be affirmed seven times over by my Kodesh Ani, my uniquely set-apart nature. If not to, through, and regarding Doe to the beloved, I am delusional and will be proven a liar. His offspring and that which he sows will exist and endure forever. And his place of honor, his dignity and authority, as well as his adornment, will be as brilliant as the sun before me, as my conspicuous counterpart. Similar to the moon, he is established, appointed, set in place, and trusted forevermore throughout time, while serving as an enduring and reliable, trustworthy and dependable witness and source of restoring testimony in the universe 
of space-time for laughter and for play. Pause now and contemplate what you have just heard. Wow. Wow. It's um, so amazing that Yahweh, who proved that he is God through the prophecies in his Torah and prophets, who is the only credible creator of the universe, the very author of life, said this 3,000 years ago about one man. And yet, his own people don't believe him. What must we do, Yisrael, to change that? Are you so stubborn that you'd prefer to join in the revolt like Korach? Are you going to be one of those that tells Moshe, you know, we didn't appreciate you when you tried to save us originally. We don't appreciate you now. Go away. Are you going to rally around a star promoting a false messiah like Bar Kokhba? The father of your religion is responsible for the diaspora and therefore for all of the hell God's people endured in Europe all because he lied. You're going to trust him over the God who spoke these words about his son? You're going to believe Mamamides and saying that that uh, one of the pillars of Judaism is that a Messiah is returning and you don't know his name when Yahweh said his name is Dode? Who are you going to believe? Is there any reason to doubt the credibility of the 89th Mismore? No, absolutely not. So when you take it at face value, it says that Dode is the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is going to return as if God, chosen one, Quite the Zeroah, the sacrificial lamb. It's all there. And if there's no reason to discredit it, why run from what it says? Can I, can I just jump in for one sure. quick second? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I've been, I think I've been doing this close to 16 years with you. I mean, it's dominated my life for 16 years. Everything has bowed to whatever I could do um, to participate in this. Uh, I'm not a big participator, but whatever I can do, that's what I'm going to do. I have never, this last 24 hours, I've been reading this and reading this and reading this. I have never had so much clarity and such a deep understanding of exactly what it is and how really pissed off God is. How dare 
and that, that they they toss this stuff out like it means nothing. I, I've just but today has been probably the best day. I, I was sitting here during the whole show thinking. I am so glad to live for the day. If I didn't live another, live another day, I am so right. glad. This has been the best show. I, this is just what a what a day I've had. I was up at six <laughs> o'clock this morning, very little, and I'm I'm wired now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, my sense my my sense was for for both of you is as I was sharing what uh, we had come to know, and it was a very long preamble that. Uh, was uh, extemporaneous uh, this evening. Um, that this was uh, like for both of you. It's like taking a uh, a bath in the light. Yeah. It's like just God is shining this this loving and brilliant, warm and inviting light upon us, and that we're standing in the midst of it, uh, looking yeah. up. And feeling wow. all warm and, uh, and excited <laughs> and uh, blessed and um, enlightened and liberated and empowered. And it's just like everything that he's ever promised to us, he has confirmed in these words. Because uh, that, that is the one thing that I, and I'm glad you, you mentioned this, because for a concluding thought, it is breathtaking to recognize that Yahweh supported Dode's decision to fulfill the seven Moed Mikre, beginning with Pesach and Matzah leading to Bakorim and Shabuah. It is breathtaking to hear Yahweh, God, speak this lovingly and highly of a man. Yes. Dode. Yeah. And all of the things that he is committed to doing with him and through him and how he loves him. But that's not the most important part of this story. Most important part of this story is that God says, you know, I've made a lot of promises and I'm not going to renege on any of them. And the single biggest commitment I have made is to my covenant family. And I'm not changing a thing regarding it. <laughs> you know that everything that Yahweh did through Dode was for us? Yeah, I get that. Absolutely. So the moral of the 89th Mizmor isn't that, that Yahweh chose and Dode agreed to fulfill the Moed and Mekre together and to embody what it means to be part of the covenant family, the message of the 89th Mizmor is that everything that Yahweh and Dode achieved together was done for us. Yes. Yeah, Dode's, exactly. not going to be the, Dode's not going to be the only Elion there. Dode will not be the only one as brilliant as the sun. Dode is not the only one who will proclaim, you are my father. He isn't the only one who's going to hear God say, you are my son or daughter. Um, uh, that is the power of this psalm, is that this is God's commitment on behalf of all of us who have chosen to be part of his covenant. 
incredible. God did not inspire this message regarding Dode for Dode. Dode had his first no, life was over for four years. Yeah. Our first yeah. life was over for four years. That's when this was written. This was written as the cornerstone of the temple was being established. That's when this was written. This was not spoken on behalf of and for the benefit of Dode. It was written for our benefit. Yeah. So that we would know how to capitalize, so that we would know how to enjoy these same benefits. So for us to recognize that all of this was done for us. Are you listening, Yisrael? This is God's gift. He didn't just say, he's my son. He said, I gave him to you. Yeah. This is your gift. Yeah. So that's the message I'd like to to leave tonight with, is that... um, well said. The 89th Mismore speaks exceedingly highly of uh, of Dode. And the Dode is overwhelmingly the most important person who has ever lived relative to us being part of God's family. But the reason he did what he did, the reason he said what he said, the reason that that this Mismore exists is so that we would choose to capitalize on what they have done. You see, the the pain of Pesach and Matzah wasn't the lashes of the Romans or the excruciating pain of crucifixion. It wasn't the trip into hell. It was his people denying that he had done this. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, get it. And there is a solution for that pain. To accept that he has done this. And the pain all goes away. If you don't want Mm. your God and your Messiah anguished, embrace what they're offering. On that note, happy Shabbat to uh, one of all. I will tell you that my uh, son was uh, just happened to be driving up to uh, his uh, girlfriend's house, and he loves to have long talks when he's in the car uh, driving, and that that was probably the answer, although I uh, didn't really hear from Leah, other than she set the phone down and said not to worry. So my guess is that uh, that's what that was. So for those that might be concerned that, that because uh, yeah. they they know that my son Blake is uh, is covenant and that I that I, I love him and that if something was wrong I would be most um, uh, distracted uh, this evening but uh, it appears to be nothing more than this is his uh, opportunity to, sh- to chat and and there is something that is uh, is uh, very very funny that is happening uh, that's funny but it is interesting anyway. Uh, I moved uh, to the mir- uh, middle of the the Caribbean. My wife wanted me to uh, to live with her on uh, on Saint Croix because she thought it would be a writer's <laughs> paradise. And we have created uh, Berith Shamaim, which is the name of our home uh, here, uh, overlooking the the Caribbean Sea. And I live in the most beautiful place in the uh, in the world. 
uh, and it is a place where I can write 14 hours a day and translate and, and be just as happy as a lark doing it. Um, but there is something that happens here that people are probably very familiar with called hurricanes. And for the most part, <laughs> there's a couple of hurricanes that come through this part of the world uh, uh, every year. And, um, uh, and so we're, we're, we are in Hurricane Alley. Uh, and I've been here five years, and of course, there hasn't even been a, a good uh, tropical storm that has come through here because, well, uh, the Malak have been busy. Um, it's a part of their, their job. Uh, and um, so we're here in another year. It's, it's the 18th of, uh, of August, uh, and there is no, uh, no storm on the horizon that is threatening uh, the, uh, the Caribbean Sea around where I live. But that there is one now that is barreling down on San Diego, California, which is where my uh, youngest son yeah. lives. It probably will be a yeah. either a Cat One. It's right now it's a Cat Four, so it's a major, major storm. Uh, it's a huge, massive storm off the coast of Baja, and it is barreling up the coast, and it's got a bullseye for San Diego. Uh, and there's never been a hurricane that has hit Southern California. There's been one tropical storm. Uh, uh, Back in uh, 39, I think 1939 was when it uh, it hit, and it was kind of actually a glancing blow, uh, so it actually didn't make landfall. But uh, this sucker is going to make landfall. Uh, it will certainly be a tropical storm. It may even be a Cat One when it hits uh, San Diego. You know, um, I don't wish San Diego's any uh, any uh, harm, but it is interesting that that uh, uh, this is happening uh, this year of all places. So. Head um, off the El Cajon. Yes. So uh, <laughs> I'm sure you're following. It's got to be big news there uh, for you Californians, or or when you're up in Carmel to do Car- Carmelians even think that that southern part of the state is uh, belongs in the the same state. Are you in a in a completely different <laughs> zone up there? Well, these people here don't care about nothing. They're here. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We we listen to the news, of course. We're sorry for yeah. especially the people and all that. Yeah, for those who are listening here, that in the three or four days each year when it's actually sunny and pretty in Carmel, it happens to be the the prettiest uh, town in the United States, uh, among the prettiest scenic places to live in the world. And so uh, Kirk, who is a uh, and both Sylvia, uh, both uh, marvelous artists live in the artist capital of uh, of the United States in, uh, in Carmel. Um, the 17-mile drive there in Pebble Beach and Cypress Point mm. are as lovely as any place in the in the world uh, in terms of scenic beauty. And I've, I've seen the world, and I can tell you that is it's my favorite. Um, uh, and uh, Dee is uh, about ready to move from Florida, as I understand it, to Kentucky. Yeah, man, bluegrass uh, state. I, I lived in Ohio for uh, for a number of years, so I I, I know uh, Kentucky well, uh, mm-hmm. and it is it's beautiful uh, countryside. Uh, and and the nice thing about K- uh, Kentucky too is that um, if you can afford to live in Florida, you can live like kings and queens in uh, in Kentucky. True. Uh, so yeah, and I always looked at uh, at. Uh, the degradation of, uh, of humankind uh, and such that 
California, it's it is really bad. I mean, you found a lovely place in California, mm-hmm. but uh, California is really bad. It's 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 falling apart. Washington, Oregon, and those kinds of places. New York City, um, but mm-hmm. um, Kentucky, you know, it's got to be at least ten, fifteen years behind the decline of the uh, of the rest of the of the, uh, of the country. It takes a while so, for it to catch up. <laughs> yeah, it might be in a kind of a nice little uh, isolated place. Uh, and I've always said that the, my best advice mm-hmm. for those who, you know, don't want to go to Yisrael but uh, want to be protected as much as possible from the time of Jacob's trouble is to you know, not live in metropolitan areas. Um, right. Going out to the countryside uh, is a much safer place to be. You know, I, I'm not going to advise against going to Yisrael. If you are Yehudim, I would love for you to re, uh, return. But... Israel is a tough place to live. Oh, and for sure. It, right it won't now. be, but it it is now. Um, um, and so, if you're you know, perhaps catch the, the Tarua train. Yeah, yeah, they they do. Um, yeah, they need to catch the Tarua train, and uh, and uh, and yeah. you know, I feel like uh, I may live right now in the uh, in an island in the middle of the Caribbean Sea, but uh, I've I've. I feel like every day of my life, I I live it in Israel. I certainly live it for Israel, um, mm-hmm. and that. Um, uh, but actually, physically being there, you know, I, I have been there. I really don't want to return until um, Yahweh says uh, no. you're going to serve as a as a witness there, because it is it is so hard on me. To look at uh, the Temple Mount and to see the uh, the Dome of the Rock and uh, Alaska yes. Mosque there, or the uh, the Haredim and their black morning suits, uh, being religious and bowing their heads to Hadrian's Wall, um, yeah, and all of yeah. the Catholic rubbish and uh, uh, mm-hmm. the Fakistanians claiming that it's uh, Palestine, uh, it's really really hard. Uh, and then you go to a place like Tel Aviv, which uh, is so progressive that it's out of its ever-loving mind. Um, it's a tough, tough place. And then you look at real estate there, and, I, and I'm a real estate maven. I, I, I love real estate, and I, I love mm-hmm. uh, restoring properties and building properties. And you look at at apartments and 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 I've, I'm I'm not an apartment person. I really like homes because I, I like to. I don't want to walk down long dingy hallways uh, uh, and park and and garages filled with other people's exhaust and it's just not my thing. I I I, I love <laughs> to wake up in the morning and see things, you know, and and to have some uh, some uh, privacy and uh, and. Have my family in, in a in a home that that is uh, uh, you know as Leigh would say I like to nest, um, but mm-hmm. in Israel it's mostly apartments and um, uh, they are well my my uh, study would be about the size of the uh, you know of of the entire apartment you know kitchenette and. <laughs> bathrooms and uh, and at all uh yeah. you know that's it's the size of a mouse house and yeah. and yet they're really expensive and then utilities oh, are expensive millions. 
Oh my, what a terrible, I mean, a terrible burden in terms of the cost. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Yahweh's urban renewal. When he does, I'm, I'm happy to go back. But I would like to go back at the time of when Yaz turns Israel back into the conditions experienced in the Garden of Eden. Um, well, with all seems, the wealth of your enemies, you'll be living pretty good. <laughs> well, you know, so. the, 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 um, God does like to, um, to credit those he works yep. through. No matter how good a job we, uh, we do or not, he does like to credit those. That's his, that's his style. He wants to credit those, and he he does like rewarding those who have uh, uh, have contributed. And so there's a lot in our covenant family here that are contributing to God's mission and to His people. Uh, and um, there is no denying our Father wants to uh, to um, to reward uh, those things. We don't do it for reward, and everyone's going to get a reward. It's just like the 89th Psalm. We all benefit yeah. in the uh, the same way. Uh, but uh, he wouldn't be a father if he did not want uh, to reward his children. That's so, true. Uh, yes, we will be, life will be good. Life is good it now. Will. Life is good yeah. now, and to be, it will be even yeah. better. All right, well, good night to all. Happy Shabbat. Um, and uh, we'll celebrate right. the fact that the 89th Mismore wasn't uh, written so much for Dode, uh, but for us. Let's all capitalize. Yep. Good night. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Good night, y'all. Good night, Dean. Good night. Good night, Kirk.